bringing you key insights, tips, and advice from the brightest minds in the Canadian franchise industry. This is the Franchise Canada Chats podcast. I'm Angela Cote, your host of the Franchise Canada Chats podcast, where we take you into the world of franchising. Our interviews are with franchisees, franchisors, and industry leaders who give on the pulse expert advice and share their franchising insights and experiences. Hello, Angela Cote here, and I am excited to bring you Fiona Stiant, Director of Franchise Development for Molly Made Canada, and Steve Collette, franchisor and co-founder of Third Degree Training and East Brands. We're going to talk today about innovation in franchising, which is really such an interesting topic because, you know, we want to, in franchising, stick to what we know and get really good at what we know and, and what works, but at the same time, we need to keep up with the times. And sometimes franchisees want that innovation and then some fear and resist change. So this is going to be a really interesting conversation and the reason I know this is because I've been on both the franchisor side of the franchisee relationship, as well as the franchisee side with the family business M&M Food Market. And we, over the years, you know, company started in 1980, and we had to be innovative while not changing the concept too much, but also stay, stay innovative in front of the customer. Um, and we didn't want to lose our identity, but we had to maintain our competitive advantage. So I'm really excited to hear from Fiona and Steve, some of the things that they've done to stay innovative. And just a side note, I want to mention, I'm honored to guest host this interview as I'm, I'm a huge fan of the CFA and all the amazing work that the team does to create community provide education and advocate to protect the franchise model for us in franchising. So I'm excited about that and I'm excited to get uh, to interview some pretty awesome people like Fiona and Steve. So are you two ready to get rolling? We sure are, I think. <laughs> ready. All right. Awesome. All right, Fiona, let's start with you. So if you can, I want to hear a little bit about Molly Made and what sets Molly Made apart, but just even going a little bit further back, what does it mean when you say what, that you're a uh, franchise development director? What does that mean for people that have never heard of that term? Uh, well, what it means is that I work with individuals who are interested in a franchise. So uh, I have lots of different people that call all the time and um, they're looking at various opportunities, franchises, and I work with them to see if Molly Made is going to be the right fit for them. But I'm happy because I end up talking with lots of different people about lots of different opportunities, like I said, and maybe Molly Maid doesn't work, but then I can answer some questions and kind of direct them. So Molly Maid is a residential housekeeping uh, service, and we offer service across Canada. So a team of two trained uh, individuals go in to clean a customer's home from top to bottom with all the supplies and equipment. They're fully bonded, insured, liable, uh, reference checked. And uh, they offer, we offer premium service, which is a hundred percent guaranteed. That's amazing. And I know having had different cleaners over the years that having sometimes the independence, as much as you want to support an independent cleaner, the inconsistency can be, uh, you know, a problem and, and to have this, this, the trained and the bonded and they bring the equipment that all sounds really amazing. So um, one, one side question I told, I warned you, I might not stay uh, with the questions we talked about. One question I do, I would like to ask is, do you find you get a mix of people who 
didn't realize they could become a franchisee and some who are shopping for a franchise. Like we often hear that people are maybe a customer and they're like, I never even realized, but I could do this too. Absolutely. We get a lot of individuals like from all walks of life, all genders, nationalities, races. I mean, fortunately, we've had a a few people actually that have immigrated from different countries and have bought a franchise, which has been so exciting and thrilling for us. Um, But uh, yeah, customers for sure. And actually team members that uh, are working and become a franchisee. So again, really, my role is to educate them on the opportunity, what's involved, the obligations are, and really to see if it's the right fit for them and them for us. Ultimately, it's a lot of conversation and discussion. That's awesome because I, I, that's one of the things I just get so excited and I'm sure you both as well about franchising is that it provides opportunity for people that didn't realize it was there and they, and it gets people to be able to do fun and exciting and things and take care of their own, um, their own livelihood as opposed to working, you know, corporately. So that's, that's awesome. Okay. We're going to move over to Steve Collette. Steve, my friend, can you talk a little bit about uh, third degree training and what sets you apart? Cause there really are a lot of different fitness brands out there. And I know you guys are awesome, but we, let's make sure that people understand what it is that sets you apart. No, great. Yeah. And there is a, a, a ton of fantastic fitness uh, opportunities. We like to think third degree training is one of them. We are a true unlimited class-based uh, facility. So whenever you're a member, there's no limitations to the, the, the classes that you can come to. And uh, that, that's what we do. We, there's, you don't do anything on your own with third degree training whether it's you're doing personal training or whether you're doing uh, your classes, um, it's true unlimited. So there's no limitations that sometimes can kind of get hidden in the, uh, the small print. Our clientele goes everywhere from our little ninjas class on the weekends right up to our adaptive athletics. So we service the everyday people market and uh, our market uh, is huge for the people that we, uh, we want to help with their, with their fitness goals. Awesome. And, and I just also want to point out you're the founder as we talked yes. about beginning here. And so as the founder, um, you know, and you're, you're an earlier brand, how many units approximately do you guys have? Right we now? have seven now, seven. So yeah. for people that are listening, you know, I love to make sure that people <clears throat> understand that there's a lot of value in, you can, an established brand, there's a lot more systems and a lot more sort of feeling of security, but when you're, you're investing in an emerging brand, it's a lot to do with the founder as well. And you look at that founder and go, you know, do I believe in this person? And do I believe in the leadership team? And I know, I think you're awesome. And I, I know that you know, I've met other people on your team. And I know that when I've been around you, there's no shortage of bur- burpees. So, <laughs> so, um, so just, um, yeah. So some of the, what are a couple of the advantages of being um, an emerging brand for people that might not be thinking about that? Cause they often do shy away from that. I just want to highlight that. Yeah. And there's two sides, you know, there's two sides of the coin. A lot of time p- people with an emerging brand, um, you look at the past, if they've only been around a year, that's a little bit different. We've, we've really honed in on our, on our, on our business model. We didn't try to do explosive growth. Of course, when COVID hit, it slowed down our growth. Um, but with someone getting involved with an emerging brand, you really have, you're, you're part of the growth process. So our franchise owners that we have, they have such a huge voice and they're all multi-unit now, right? And, and so uh, such a huge voice in shaping uh, the way the company's going. I really like that because when you have a, a franchise meeting, you're not dictating. If you can believe it, I actually sit back and listen, right? And, you know, and have, so, yeah, right? <laughs> it's a tremendous opportunity. 
to, to get involved with a company like ours and have, uh, no matter what, 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 wherabouts you are in the country, to say, uh, you know, do you believe in, again, the, the, the top end C-suite, the model of what's going on, talking to the franchise owners and doing that validation process? One thing I could tell you, we're very pleased now that our validation process is amazing. Right. And uh, so, you know, maybe just to clarify what that yep. means is that when you talk to other franchisees, they're validating and saying, yes, this is a good opportunity. So you're right. saying that that in that, that probably took a little bit of time to get to that point. So congratulations on that. It certainly did. It certainly did. Thank just you. Yeah. yeah. And I just also want to then this wasn't uh, the plan, but also, Fiona, I'm guessing that you probably have uh, some kind of an advisory, a franchise advisory council at Molly Made. So while maybe not every franchisee or some system for feedback, like it, it is a little bit, it, it takes a little bit longer in a bigger system, but there is still as a franchisee, the opportunity to feel heard. It's just not as direct. Would that be correct? How I worded that? I would say yes and no. Um, one thing I will say about Molly made is yeah, we are a bigger company. We have more franchises, but the one thing that I will say we do very well is stay very closely connected through various channels of communication. So, I mean, Zoom now, my goodness, we use it all the time and it's so easy to connect with people. You know, our franchise partners face-to-face -face so easily, you know, whether it be in Vancouver and I'm in Ontario or what have you. We also have an intranet portal, uh, part of our website where we have chat there um, and the ability uh, for franchisees to connect with one another. We have various newsletters that we um, distribute across Canada, where we um, also ask franchise partners to provide information and insights as to what they're doing to be successful. And then we relay it back to the other franchise partners. And we're always looking to develop our brand based on exactly what you were saying, Steve, what the franchisees are telling us that is working and working well. And so we're always adapting our system and trying to make it the best it can be. So um, I would say there's that although we're bigger, we do have a franchise advisory committee too. So there, I think we have five on it currently, uh, franchise uh, partners, and everybody knows who they are, so they can go to them if they don't feel comfortable coming to us. But I would say for the most part, our franchise partners connect with us all the time, and everybody feels pretty comfortable to call any of us at the office and uh, you know speak their mind as to what's working, what's not working, what they find challenging, so on and so forth. So. Yeah, it's pretty good. But one thing I wanted to mention before we get on, Angela, is I thought it was funny when Steve was talking about, you know, his business and being the founder and, you know, I said, fitness guy, um, this, our CEO, Aaron Abrams, president and CEO, he actually at a number of the CFA events, he's an ex-professional athlete. And so he would always go to the gym at like five in the morning or I don't know, some crazy hour. I'd still be sleeping. And um, you know who would be in the gym? The only other person there? Right, Steve Collard. That's how we met. That's, <laughs> and then we, I remember we sat on a panel together. I think it was at Law Day. And, uh, but no, that's how I met Aaron. He was always the only other guy. Everyone at the convention was still asleep. And, you know, anyway, he's a great I'm guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's some dedication right there to your, yeah. uh, to your brand. <laughs> Thank I you. feel like that, that like I, I feel like a challenge just got thrown down because I'm I'm usually an early riser as well and like to go to the gym. So now I feel like I'm gonna have to try to meet you guys there at the, at the CFA uh, convention in April. Which set I'm your excited. alarm early, Angela. Set your alarm early. Yeah, I'm like 5 a.m. Like normally at home, that's no problem. But when you're on the road and you're socializing late at night, having so much fun, it's like that is dedication. Um, so one thing I just wanted to just uh, uh, mention there then when it comes down to like established versus an, an emerging brand, 
is I think it also comes down to the person, whether they're, they want to get in early or do they feel more comfortable with the systems in place and that. And so there's, there's definitely room for both. And I, and I love that. And I'm, that's, that's really cool. And I also love Fiona, when you mentioned, you know, that there's a lot of different uh, avenues for franchisees to connect with the franchisor, but also with each other. I'm a huge advocate for franchisee collaboration because in a franchise system, what's so cool is you've got a built-in network of franchisees, people running the same business. So when a franchisor goes out of their way to connect franchisees, that makes me really happy. So I think that's really cool to hear. Okay, let's move on. So again, people that are haven't, you know, haven't ever thought, oh, I could be a franchisee or, you know, they don't really understand what's, what am I going to get for this? Let's talk a little bit about the, the training and support side of things. And so Fiona, what, what training support does Molly Maid provide uh, franchisees that sets you apart from your competition? I'm actually, I couldn't really say what sets apart from competition because I'm not exactly sure what they do, but I actually feel we do a fantastic job in terms of training and support. We, um, again, we always, after every training session we have, we always say what worked, what didn't work, what could we improve? We talk to the new franchise partner and ask them. So every time we try to make it better and um, we always make small changes. Um, but what we offer is we have two weeks of independent learning prior to coming to our support office, which is located in Oakville, Ontario, for one week of intensive on-site personal training. And that one week, well, the whole training actually encompasses and highlights all aspects of the business. So whether it be, you know, customer and uh, team member scheduling or administration, marketing, health and safety, I mean, it, it encompasses everything about our system. Plus, we really do focus on our core cleaning system as well. So as well as that, every franchise partner is assigned one franchise coach who works one-on-one -on -one with that individual. Now, that, that doesn't mean that, you know, the new franchisees or franchise partners can't call any of us because they can at any time and ask any of us questions. But what that allows is that that one franchise coach is able to really stay connected with that franchise partner and know what that person's individual goals are, their aspirations, um, where they're at in their business. Um, and really stay closely connected to help them achieve success. So we really like that. And then, as I mentioned earlier, I mean, communication to us is imperative. So we have all those different means and methods of communication um, for our whole office, support office team. Um, and then on top of that, we have meetings, um, regional meetings, and we have national convention. Um, and then, of course, our intranet. So we're constantly trying to you know, continually develop the skills, as well as we use um, an external source to help with um, uh, employee and employer challenges. Yes, so we have a, a system that we work with that. And then on top of that, if there are any other areas that we're you know, not able to provide instead of our scope really, then we do offer to, to pay 50% of the cost for that training. So that could mean like online business resources, or any other kind of training that is related to operating a small business. So we go kind of above and beyond to make sure if we don't have it, we're going to help you find someone who does have it and help you pay for it. We hope you're enjoying this episode so far. Did you know that Franchise Canada has a newsletter sent twice a month that's packed full of fresh franchise opportunities? With Franchise Canada e-news, you get new content from Franchise Canada magazine, franchisee success stories, industry news about CFA members, 
educational videos all about franchising, and you can keep up to date on the newest episodes of the Franchise Canada Chats podcast that you're listening to right now. Plus, by subscribing to Franchise Canada e-news, you get a free subscription to Franchise Canada magazine. Subscribe now at FranchiseCanada.online. Now, back to the podcast episode you are enjoying. That's incredible. I'm blown away. <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah. Um, I hear what I'm hearing is a really ro robust training and ongoing support. And I always talk about, you know, some franchisors have franchise companies. It's, it's kind of more hotline support where they, oh, they have our number. They can call us. They can, uh, we've got a good, you know, operations manual they can use but that's not really enough. Like you are coaching and guiding. And when you mentioned, you know, their personal goals, that's fantastic. I really love hearing that and that you're developing their skills. Uh, those things are all awesome. I, I still want to ask Steve the same question, but I know that we have some meaty innovation questions coming up. So I'm going to ask, I'm going to switch over to Steve on the topic of what characteristics you look for in a franchisee. Cause I, I know like it's, it's a, it's an interesting thing. People think, Oh, I can do that. And how do you know somebody's going to be a good fit as a franchisee? What are you looking for that you will know this person is most likely to be successful? Well, I certainly, if you asked me that question five years ago, it'd be different. Yeah. You yeah learned like, a lot. Oh gosh. Yeah. Well, it's in, I mean, that's our job as franchisors is to say, okay, is it, you know, we, I don't, we don't sell franchises. I like to say we award futures, right? We, we, and there is characteristics that you have to look for. Um, the big one, the four letter word that I use in anything is grit. You have to grit, um, you know, the, the ability or the want. And, and grit's not something you can teach. You either have it or you don't. I think it's important with anything where you're trying to attain a certain goal. But that is the big one. Uh, we need hunters and farmers. You know, acquisition and retention is important. So it's not just about getting new people in. It's keeping the people in the doors. And we have honed in on that. Oh, man. And so we, you can teach that certain aspects of it, but you have to have that characteristic and you have to have that ability. You, you have to be able to build good teams because you can't do it yourself. That was our problem in the past. We used to award fitness franchises to fitness instructors. Let's know, you know. It, That's, it, let's pause on that for a quick yeah. second. I, I'm so glad you brought that up because that happens a lot where people think I'm really a good fitness instructor. So I'm going to be a good fitness business owner. So yeah, if you want to go a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I think that and what happens is teaching classes is the fun part, the easy part. In fact, if you own a third degree training, you're teaching all the classes, you're not doing your, you're not running your business properly, right? So a good employee, you know, employees can clock in and clock out and then go home and, you know, but with, with a third degree, especially your first couple of years as you're getting going, because you can you know, because you can clean the floors or because you can do the burpees or do, teach some classes does not mean that you're going to run a successful business. That's, a, I think a lot of early stage franchise ors go through that, where, you know, that internal optimism that says, well, they're a great employee or they're great this. So we'll go on to that. It, it's looking at it from a very objective standpoint of, you know, who is your customer? How do you reach them? How do you keep them? And because your customer is your business. And as far as teaching the classes, doing the training, you want to develop really good teams in order to do that, because your job is making sure that everyone is happy. 
I love that. And I talk a lot about the DNA of a high performing franchisee and you hit on a couple really key traits there. So the grit, um, the hunter gatherer, like, or the, however you were a hunter farmer. Um, so you're going to go out and you're going to get people, you're going to go into your community. Um, and then I always say like, they have to be a good leader. You don't have to be a good entrepreneur that like, does, like knows everything, but you, how are you with leading a team of people? And I learned that the hard way when, with Eminem, when I was a, you know, 25 year old franchisee founder's daughter, you know, nobody took me seriously. How do I get these people to listen to me and be motivated to, I don't want to be authoritative. I want them to want to, to listen to me and to be excited to be there. And I, I learned a lot though in those days. So I love that you brought that up. It's, it's important to, under, to reflect on that as a franchisee. If you really don't like the idea of leading people, or if you've say been a manager of a, you know, a fast food place and you hated that, you know, reflect on that. Cause, but, but at the same time, I know that you offer support. You'll teach people leadership. You'll teach them these things. Like you say, grit, you can't really teach. That's gotta be there. I was just going to say one, uh, Angela, and then one last point with that is, in entrepreneurship, uh, you know, when you're when you're becoming a franchise owner and you're building your team, you don't necessarily have to be right all the time. In fact, being wrong and being taught is 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 awesome in, in building teams, right? When you add that value and you really engage them in that. So yeah. I, I would say one thing too that I, I'll just chime in here is that when I'm speaking with candidates that are coming in. It's hard to know if someone's going to be the right fit or what's going to make the perfect franchisee. Uh, but one thing I can say is there are entrepreneurs, right, and that have entrepreneurial spirit and that are going to become very successful as franchisees. But there are also entrepreneurs that are entrepreneurs that will not make successful franchisees. And when I'm speaking with candidates, I always say, you know, if you want to come up with your own, you know, uniform, you want to come up with your own marketing. You want to do things your own way? That's awesome. Good for you. Go start your own business. Listen, and I encourage you to do that. And I hope you have great success. But if you want to come in and follow our brand and follow our system and really embrace that, then you're going to have great success. But if you're an entrepreneur that wants to do your own thing, then just please, this is not going to work. I think that's one thing that I always try to educate people on because not everybody that calls typically is an entrepreneur. But it's whether they're an entrepreneur that wants to be part of a system or if they're an entrepreneur that wants their own thing. I think that's really one thing that I really encourage people to consider for sure. Oh, wow. That was just really insightful for me to think about that, because when I was a franchisee, I'm, I'm pretty entrepreneurial. But in my case, I think it worked because I knew that the system worked and I had trained people on the M&M Chop system and I trained franchisees and I'd held them to compliance in a strategic way, of course, in a compassionate way, but I knew the importance of it. So it was easier for me to like accept when there were things that I didn't agree with. And you can, if you, like you say, if you, if you're entrepreneurial, but you understand, I'm going to buy into this system, you, you recognize that there's times that it's a bit of a give and take. Sometimes it's going to benefit you, the decisions that can made. Sometimes you might not understand it, but you chose to be in a system. And so I really like how you put that. I would also say, Angela, the other thing too is, is, you know, our systems, you know, they're proven and we're always like, even Steve said, we're always looking to make it better. So it's not like we're not going to ever change. We're just, you know, certain aspects of the, the system have to stay the same, you know, your branding, for example, you know, for the most part, because that's what customers recognize. So I will say that 
a lot of individuals I speak with, we talk about that. And then they're like, yeah, I don't want to come up with all that stuff. I don't want to work that hard. I want to come in and have that stuff done for me, you know? And then I come in and I'm going to run my own business. I'm going to work hard and I'm going to be successful. And I'm going to embrace this brand because that's what I'm right into. And then you see them grow and be successful. And it's like, wow, this is awesome. Right. So it's just making sure it's the right fit again, is so important. Like for sure, I would say that would be number one you know, in terms of when I'm working with candidates. There's lots of different options. You know, someone I can talk to, maybe Molly Made isn't the right fit for them. Maybe it is Steve's business, you know? And that's the other thing is making sure, like, we we actually will, you know, not qualify quite a number of candidates because it's not the right fit, you know? And we're not just going to take a check from someone because, you know, we want to sell a franchise. We don't do that ever because it's not good for them. And it's not good for us. And it's not going to be win-win. So they'll get into business and they won't be successful. They'll lose money. We'll lose money. So at the end of the day, I mean, the one thing I can say for anyone that's interested is take your time, do your research, look at lots of brands and figure out what you love to do and be happy. Because if you love what you're doing, you're going to be successful. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's also not not fair to the other franchisees because you've got to protect their investment if you bring in somebody who's not a fit um, so yeah, it's all about protecting the investment and, and that. So that's awesome. Um, we're going to switch now to innovation. We're going to get into that a little bit. And so I'm going to go to Steve uh, first on this. Um, I'd love to know, you know, you've, how many years has uh, third degree training been in business? Oh, God, we've been in business for 10, a lot, little over 10. I haven't been franchising that long, obviously, but uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, about 10 years. Okay, can you share some 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 example of innovation, whether it's related to the pandemic or or anything that you've done to stay innovative with the brand? Right. Yeah, no, great question. Well, as we all know, you could argue it, but fitness is not considered essential. Um, so when pandemic hit, you had to move swiftly, harshly, and do something now. So we did. We had to. So we we put a lot of emphasis onto our online portals, and because of the way we operate our classes, it was easier to do so as opposed to someone who uses some proprietary equipment or, or whatever it may be, right? Um, so we were live six hours a day. Like we were literally live six hours a day. Um, and to really hone in and make sure that, and we, we developed all sorts of new accountability programs. So that's when we were closed, right? And then when we were allowed to reopen, we really looked at it and said, what let's take a hard look at our system. So we looked at our branding, we did a whole, a whole, the whole brand over, and then we added all sorts of programming to our, uh, to our system. Um, and we looked at it from kind of the multi-generational, you know, uh, why are, you know, why are these kids going to an after-school program over here where they don't like, let's do an after-school program. Let's do the toddlers program. Let's really get into the adaptive athletics or people, you know, whether they're elderly or they have mobility issues. So we really added a lot to third degree training and it, it just went like this, right? So the innovative that we had to do, the way I kind of look at things, it's uh, if, if you get pushed, don't push back, punch. So it was go, go hard, you know, and that's, but the innovation, I mean, you know, COVID certainly wasn't friendly for fitness, but if you look back at it, I'm, I'm a true optimist and at least it allowed us to have the company that we have now. Awesome. And I, I remember, I remember thinking like, I wouldn't want to get on a, on a, on a call with, some, well, I shouldn't say I wouldn't want to, but you'd be more motivated when you're, you're already a member or you're already connected to that brand. So mm-hmm. 
and I, I love it. It's almost like you were like, well, we got to help our community, right? Yep. Like we got to do something for these people that have been coming and getting their exercise from us. What can we do? So you just service them the best way you could. And it sounds like it went really well. Well, and we continued what happened. We kept the, we kept the, uh, um, the retention, right? We kept it. And we, I mean, we, we were so touchy feely that, you know, we didn't see these people for three months, but we seen them some, and people exercised in third degree training more over COVID when they were at home, then when it went back, what else are you going to do? So we literally six hours a day and uh, it was fun. You know, it was fun. It uh, was different, but yeah. yeah. Awesome. Okay. So Fiona, let's hear about some innovation and actually uh, maybe I'll go right to what the neighborhood franchise model. Are you able to speak to that? And um, if you can talk about whether that was a result of the pandemic or was that something you already had in the works? I'll just let you share all that. Sure. Just before I get started, though, Angela, for me, six hours of exercise a day would not be good. (laughs) (laughs) Don't wake me up at 5 a.m. and don't make me exercise for six hours. This is not the exercise girl for six hours. Um, I know you could do it. So, sorry, the neighborhood brand um, or neighborhood model, I should say, um, is a new concept for Molly Mae. And uh, we're very excited to uh, roll it out uh, this past summer. And um, it wasn't uh, necessarily a result of the pandemic. Uh, We had been talking about it uh, for quite some time. We uh, have annual meetings with our whole team. And it was during one of these annual meetings that the concept emerged. And uh, so we kind of started talking about it, trying to figure out, you know, the best way to uh, bring it forward and bring it to market. And then it just so happened it was um, actually during the pandemic that we decided to roll it out. So we were very fortunate as a brand and company that we were able to continue to operate um, during the pandemic because we were deemed an essential service. So we did shut down when there was the countrywide shutdown and we adapted and we brought in a healthy home cleaning system to ensure that we were following the proper protocols and procedures and guidelines as rolled out uh, across the different provinces. And certainly, again, you know, through Zoom, we were very closely connected, some, similar to what Steve was saying, very closely connected to our franchise partners, who then were very closely connected to their customers and really focused on retention of the customers as well, depending on their uh, feeling, you know, um, of ease of having us into their home. So we decided that it was still a great time to roll out our new neighborhood model concept, and we rolled it out. And uh, what it is, is it's a, a small market model. So uh, Molly Maid has been providing professional home cleaning services for over 40 years. And, uh, but mainly it's in the more urban and suburban uh, markets. Um, you know, so not so much in the rural or smaller communities and smaller populated areas. Um, and our traditional model concept is more of a kind of an executive model. And what I mean by that is that the uh, owner operator does not clean. They're not actually out there, you know, going into homes and cleaning. Uh, they're working with their teams and they're building the business, right? So they're really working on the business versus in it. So what we thought would be awesome is to be able to provide our same professional service in these smaller markets. You know, for 40 years, I'm sure there's some customers in these markets who have been thinking, oh, I love Molly Maid, but, you know, there's, I just have Betty Sue. So, you know, I have to go with what I've got. So what we did is we identified the markets that we felt um, could be viable for um, this type of franchise. 
and um, and now we're rolling it out to those specific markets. So with this model, the franchise partner um, from day one can start earning an income because they will clean as well as as operating the business. And so we've adapted our system to help uh, fit that model. Wow, that's yeah, that's really neat. And it's how long has that been? Oh, that's well started right before the pandemic, and then throughout so. Almost so, so we just rolled it out at the end of the summer. So like we started rolling it out and I think it was like August and, and kind of getting it out there and getting marketing uh, and advertising out. And right now I'm working with a few uh, individuals, one specifically, but it looks like uh, he's probably going to move forward with the opportunity. So it will be our first neighborhood model mm-hmm. in Canada, hopefully in Alberta. So we're really excited and uh, he's excited too. So um, yeah, it'll be our first small market. Awesome. And so let's talk a little bit about, um, so that, I guess that doesn't impact the franchisees, the existing franchisees so much. What about, um, and maybe, maybe Steve, I'll go over to you for this question. When you do want to make a change in the system that you're choosing to make, <laughs> let's just clarify, like the pandemic forced some changes, right? Um, but say you want to make a change, you know, rebranding of some sort or anything that you're trying to make a change. How do you, introduce that innovation to the system in light of the fact that some franchisees might be uncomfortable with with change or or in other words how do you create buy-in great no it's a great question and it's it's uh there's a difference between objective and subjective right and uh, you know what we don't do is whenever you 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 cause a change in your system it's not because i want to do this it's because this is what's best for business so rather than start with the conclusion and say this we're changing here it's we validate the premise of the argument to go here it is here it is and what's your thoughts and what's your concerns not on the conclusion but on why we're doing this and then having an open discussion saying this is what we see you know sometimes there are there, there's some things that corporately will run you know uh on a trial to see if it works so you know save everyone's time you know but a lot of the time like i mean it's we haven't had a whole lot of lot or sorry we haven't had a whole lot of pushback and if you're going to have changes in the system the last couple years was the time to do it we're very open with it and you know really saying do you understand this and are you comfortable and what's your concerns with this and then a lot of time when you do it if someone does have a concern and it doesn't happen usually with us it's a subjective thing where they don't like it based on uh, emotion rather than 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 the logic to run in the business so it's uh you learn how to do it better as you go when you want to instill a change because let's be honest, a lot of people don't like change, right? And it throws them off their, their kilter a little bit, right? If you don't have, you could probably certainly attest to that. Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, change is hard for anyone. And uh, I know we, we're actually rolling out a new um, lead management system, so technology. And some people are stronger in technology than others. And so it can be a bit of a challenge. Um, So what I was going to say is that, Angela, the word that you use, which I thought was bang on, is buy-in. So typically what we try to do is when we're rolling something out, we try to roll it out to who we feel will be our early adopters or people who we feel are going to do well with it. So in this case, technology, you know, they, they enjoy it. They like it. So we'll roll it out to them first. And then we get them to be really the brand ambassador for that, whatever it is we're rolling out. So then all of a sudden, then we get adoption from the other franchisees because it's not support office or Molly May 
corporate that's saying it. It's the, the franchise partners that are using it that are having success with it. So then they get that buy-in. So typically that's what we find that really helps us uh, in terms of rolling anything out. Because you're right, Steve, gosh, um, change is tough, right? And um, some people really dig their heels in and they say, oh, I don't, I just want to keep it the way it is. But we all know that times to improve and make things better, you do have to change, right? I've heard that it, you know, the mind can only calculate what it's losing, but can't calculate what it's potentially gaining when it doesn't know. So it's the unknown. So I think we have to be compassionate about that. And I love what you both said there. So just to kind of really highlight, Steve, you mentioned, and probably Molly May does this as well, where you, you, you corporately, like your own corporate locations that are not franchisees, you probably usually, most systems have a couple of those and you test it there. So we'll be the guinea pig. And then like Fiona said, you know, a few franchisees that are willing to be guinea pigs as well are willing to adopt it maybe a little bit more uh, risk tolerant and and have them start to get some evidence that this is a good thing to do and then start to get the franchisees so you're creating buy-in so I like that because it protects the people that are a little bit afraid and and it you know I again I've been a franchisee I was a franchisee for 18 years and sometimes I did not agree with the things that were happening and I had to, I had to accept it. I've also been, so when you mentioned technology, I've been on both the franchisor side, bringing out new technology, new, a new POS system point of sale. And mm-hmm. I've been the franchisee having to adopt the new POS system. And so I've been on the side of here's why this is a great thing to do. And here's what's so great about this POS. And then I've been on the side going, what happened to this feature? What happened to that feature? Like, but it's like, but then there's this greater good of the system that they would, you know, remind me and I remember, and that, you know, there's a reason, there's other reasons we had to change. So it's, it's a lot, like Steve said this as well. I think that it's, it's helping them understand the reason. Don't start with, here's what we're going to do. And here's why start with, here's a, a problem in the system or, or something we're trying to get better at. Here's a solution. Yeah. That's really cool. I think the the what's in it for me, like if we yeah. always try to sit back and, you know, when we're communicating, you know, whatever it is we're rolling out, we always try to sit back and say, okay, you know, really, what is it in it for me? If I was the franchise partner, how is this going to benefit me? Exactly what Steve's saying. I think that is the most important selling feature. Absolutely. We, we all really, at the end of the day, we just care about, we do, we care about what's in it for us and, and how's it going to affect me. And that's fair. Right. And I think we have to remember that with franchisees that, that there is a fair request. They, they spent, they invested their often life savings into this business and they're believing in you. And then when you're telling them, you know, we're making this change, it's like, well, that's scary. I didn't realize I signed up for that. So and, um, and we, we also always run it by our FAC, the franchise advisory committee too you know, as a starting point. Uh, so that usually helps as well. Awesome. Well, I'm going to try to squeeze in one last question. Um, I just would love to know how you tap into the wisdom of your franchisees on the front line to drive innovation. I, a lot of people know that the, the Big Mac was a, an idea from a franchisee, even the drive-through, you know, you don't want to stifle that. So um, maybe Steve, can you speak to how you tap into that uh, innovation um, for, or tap into that frontline wisdom that's out there? Love it. I think that when you look at it, your franchisees are your system, right? And we, we're fortunate. We just had a, like a really good operator, really good franchise partner come into our system. And what a great fresh set of eyes to come in and go, okay, what's wrong with it? What do you think? And then literally in the past seven weeks, we talked about this. Now we have our, you know, we have a franchise meeting tomorrow, which we're going to have some stuff we're going to talk about. 
but you throw it out there and go, what's the concerns? You know, what, what would you like to see? Tap into them because they like, and it helps your relationship so much. And rather than go in saying, I'm right. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm the founder. What do I know? Right. And you look at it and you bring that out of your franchise partner. Again, with a company our size, as opposed to with hundreds of units, a little bit different. Go, everyone tell us what you want. Yes. A little bit, a little bit different. Right. So I won't speak on behalf of Fiona, but that's what we do. I, I really look at it now with our, with our, with our franchise partners. They're wonderful and they are our future. That's amazing. And Fiona, do you want to add into that before we wrap up? I mean, I would say the same thing, Steve. I mean, I know we have a few more franchise partners, but we do love to hear from them exactly what I had said earlier is on their success, what's working for them, what they find challenging, and then make you know changes to our system accordingly. The other thing is we do have a corporate franchise. And so, you know, we're very closely connected with, uh, with that franchise. I actually oversee that as well. So I have a close connections um, to find out what's happening on the front line. And, uh, and so we, we can also see like, Hey, maybe that's not working and we need to change or adapt based on, on that close connection. So I do think having all the open lines of communication at our regional meetings, we have roundtables, discussions where we open it up for them to share and feedback. And that provides us with a lot of insight and allows us to adapt and innovate from there. Yeah, you nailed it. Yeah, you're really missing out if you don't. I think, I think, and, but, but one thing, one caveat I always like to say is if you're going to open up that, that door of, of, you know, to that feedback is we can do anything, but we can't do everything, right? Like, we're going to listen and we're going to, we're going to assess whether we have the resources and, and, and whether it makes sense or we might let you test it or something. Right. But also understanding that when you're in a franchise, you're in a system and decisions have to be uh, made very strategically, I guess. So this has been awesome. I don't know about you two, but this time just flew by. Yeah, absolutely. It was great. It was great. What a blast. Yes. Again, sometime. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, so much insight, so many uh, insights and so much wisdom from both of you. And, and so cool to hear the contrast between a newer brand and an established brand. No doubt you both have so much expertise to share. And I feel even more confident that people that become franchisees of your brands are, you know, they're, if, they're, if, they, if they get in, they're the right fit and they're going to have great leaders and really do well. So thank you so much, both of you, for the interview today. Thanks, Angela. It was awesome. Always a pleasure. Thanks for listening. For more franchising resources, including how-to articles, expert advice, franchisee success stories, and franchise opportunities, visit FranchiseCanada.online. Don't forget to subscribe to Franchise Canada e-news while you're there. You can also learn more about franchising at CFA.ca and connect with specific franchise opportunities at lookforafranchise.ca. Now go be awesome.